Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. I want to welcome you to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. It's always a blessing when you join us, as we're going to be conducting the conclusion of a wonderful two-part interview with author Betty Rogers Kulik today. We'll be discussing her book, The River, A Spiritually Transforming Journey. It's book number one of what's now become a trilogy. Amen? Praise God. She describes this book as a cross between the shack and a modern-day pilgrim's progress. Let's jump back into the interview now with Betty Rogers Kulik. So you keep the characters from book one? Are we like following them on their quest? Yes. In book one, there was Melissa. She was the main character. And of course, her friend that she went to visit that she's only mentioned in the first chapter and the last chapter because in between is all on the river. And that river is a supernatural dimension. So she meets a lot of people, but they are also on their own spiritual journey. Mm. And that results in many things. In uh melissa's mostly deals with uh some angels jesus holy spirit god the father um and some other supernatural beings that she interacts with on on into this realm when she comes back into her realm she's part of her in the beginning is really depressed almost because this, this was such a high place for her. And now she's back in her plain old world, not realizing because prior to going on the journey, she didn't have an understanding of supernatural that yeah. the devil exists, that these things are at work. We just don't see them in our world. So now she's going back home, sort of depressed only to have the angels and other people show up. Jesus shows up on the plane and sits down beside her as totally a, a different person. And, and she doesn't recognize him right away until he does something that she knows from his, the intimacy she developed on the river that, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And so now she's... Um, meeting up still with the supernatural, but she's going to meet a couple of other people, one of which will be the antagonist of the story, mm. who is all things anti-God, and God puts her path across this person's life for the sole purpose of both her her maturing also in ways, but this person's coming to salvation. And in the end book, they'll work together. So... Amen. How far along are you in, in, in book two? Three-fourths of the way. Yeah? Yeah. Amen. So, um, so I'm pretty done with it. it is, I mean, I'm, it's drawing to that place. Yeah. Amen. When do you anticipate publishing that one? I'm hoping in the spring. That was one of my the things of learning the book industry. Um, things don't happen in the publishing side as quick as you think. <laughs> and when they go out to editors, oh, that was a whole nother story. Never having written. And I sent it off to the editors to edit. 
and the lady who was the one main one who who called me and she said you need to cut this a hundred thousand words wow (laughs) and i'm like okay because i know nothing i'm gonna take her word for it but she had turned around she'd sent me three page document also of suggestions most of the suggestions were le- uh, places in the book that she said, this is great. I want to know more. This is great. Develop this more. Do this, do that. And so I asked her on the phone conversation, I'm real confused. You want me to cut it 100,000 words. And you're telling me on almost all the papers you're sending me for suggestions of improvement to tell you more. <laughs> How do I do that? And she said, you'll figure it out. It's like, okay. (laughs) Um, And I did. I cut it. And the reason for that was because being a nobody, books range in price by the size. Yeah. And it's not that, uh, well, in the beginning, I thought, but these are all important words. I've learned and grown in this last year or so in in the writing craft of writing that I can say the same thing in a lot less words. (laughs) And I'm learning that more and more, but I was able to cut it and add the parts, you know, that she needed. So. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And, and, you know, the, when you were saying that about the editor, I remember I started taking college classes when I was in the military, taking one class at a time, whatever station I was at. And I took my first composition one class in college. And the instructor was the chief editor of the Washington Post. (laughs) And I'd submit my paper and literally, I think he just turned around to a bucket of red ink and then handed it back to me. Right. I mean, because he just... That was the worst class I had ever taken in college. Uh-huh. And I had to retake composite because I got like a D minus in the class or something. He, he gave me credit for attendance. Oh. <laughs> <You know>? oh. <laughs> and and uh, you know, it was like 10 years later, I had to retake, got an a, a minus or something in the class. But literally, I mean, every time I turn it, I say, okay, you know, I think this is good. I turn it in and get it back the next time. It's just red all over it. Yes. It's like, oh my goodness gracious. uh, I I can understand completely what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, it's been a dying to flesh because I, I compare it to birthing a baby. And when you look at that baby, I don't care how ugly that baby is. When when mom looks at that baby, it's, the most gorgeous thing in the world it's your baby and yet everybody else is talking behind their back like oh that's that's the most ugliest baby i ever saw (laughs) and um what's it gonna grow up to be i don't know um and so i have learned to take it in stride because even though this was very very supernatural i i had to come to the place that i realized that god is the creator he gives the creation of the story, but it is really me that is speaking it out or writing it out or typing it out. And I'm, I'm flesh. And so if I'm a talker, then I'm a talker on the paper. So it has to be dealt with in such a way and trust that the editing process will make it better 
and not buck that process. And so yeah. I've died to self many a time. <laughs> my my husband is actually my first bloody editor. And and God knows his timing because had had God called me to write this probably five years ago, we might have been in divorce court. I don't know. Or <laughs> well, we, we we got married, we said, well, divorce is never an option, but murder maybe. You know, and so or maiming, I could definitely maim him or break that hand with all the red ink. But um and now he can do that and there's no strife. I, I get it. And occasionally he'll he'll suggest a reformatting of a sentence or to maybe change this. And, and if it doesn't change the initial composition of what I believe God was wanting me to say in that, then um, if it's not changing, I'll, I'll change it. Because he has gotten words for he would be a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. So that's a compliment for that Amen. and for me. So Amen. it actually has brought us together a little better. Amen. And you and your husband, Rick, you're trying to make people aware of basically the, the, the complacency that's been adopted these past several years in the American church. How yeah. does this book help you do that? Well, from a, from a perspective of personally, it helps clarify you know, we when God works it through in the story, he like I say, he just flowed the story through me. But in the stories that he's given me the idea for the book two and book three, he's he's really also showing us in some ways scripturally it played out in real life, but in a story. It's a fiction story, but it's still a real life story that could happen. And so that has been very, very much of how God has worked in that, but also he has in the same time that, that we were writing and I've been writing it. We both were talking one day about, we need to write a nonfiction book as well. And God immediately began working that and said, I want you to call it when the light grows dim. And I want it to be a, a listing of from perspective, you guys as pastors and other pastors, a perspective of where the church got complacent, where the church got bought into culture, when the church let their light go dim or got it put under a basket, how we've come to sleep with the enemy, how we've come to compromise for other reasons of things and that this is what has over time deteriorated to be where we are now. And so in some ways, this book has initiated another book that'll be coming out. That's a nonfiction book that we're going to write together. Amen. How far along are you in it? We have the title and we have the chapters and we have, as God gives us stuff for the chapters, we've got them in a listing, uh, you know, in a Word doc thing of of that information. It's just getting the book two done and then maybe starting then with book three and that. I don't know. It depends because we're, we're in ministry and it's it takes a lot of time um, to, to do both. Yeah, amen. Amen. That, and that is a needful book for this day and time in which we live. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Uh, you're all, you also write devotionals, correct? Yes. And can you tell us about that and how you got into that aspect of writing? 
I did that because I felt God told me, this is kind of how he put it. He said, I can continue to give you all the inspiration, but just as a Christian, I can save you, but you need to grow in me and, and mature in me and learn to walk the faith walk in me. In writing, I can give you the salvation or the basics of the salvation, the storyline, in other words. But he said, you need to develop the craft and you need to become better at your writing. Mm. And so I felt that part of the journey was to go a little slower on book two and to take classes and join some groups that are writing groups and let some of them I write something every month and they critique it and it has really helped and part of that journey has been I felt the Lord said I want you to do some devotional writing and I happened to get you know like you were saying when you were talking about your testimony you had some confirmations come along your way or open doors Mm -hmm. and so in the part of this, I got this announcement that Guideposts was seeking some devotions. Mm. And there was, um, I thought, okay, how did they get a hold of me? I don't know. <laughs> but it's that God, God somehow, God way, I got it on a list. And so I decided I'm going to try and I'm going to stretch myself. And so I created four devotions, sent those in heard back. They said, we love this one. We're going to take it and use it. And that one will come out in a guidepost, big book, thick book of devotions, pray, pray a word a day. It is, it'll come out in 23. And they said, but if you don't mind, we're going to hold on to these other three, because we think we might use some of them down the road. But then a little later, I got another email from guidepost and said we're going to use this one and so that one's going to come out in another guidepost book in 2023 as well but in the fall and so that kind of gave me the courage to say okay i can do this and i knew i was writing the devotional aspect of this workbook journal component for the river but this was different because when I'm creating it to go with the river, I'm creating it in the fullness to meet every chapter's, you know, pe- helping people as a guidebook to go through it. Guidepost in those places, they tell you 500 words to 800 words, depends on what it is. This type of setup, this length of prayer, you need this, you need this, and we only want this. So don't send it to us if it doesn't fit this, these parameters. And so that was a stretch, but it was a good stretch because I learned more about writing very tight, I'll call Mm -hmm. it, and saying what I need to very tightly. And then I got another thing where someone says, we're doing an anthology of putting together testimonial, devotional kind of a thing. Do you want to be a part of this anthology? And I said, well, I'll take a risk, Lord, if you help me. If you want it, I'll take a risk. You got to do the favor part. So I sent in one and they said, we love it and we'll take it. And so that book just came out and I just actually got copies of it here this past week in the mail. And it's um, 
it's an anthology. There's 36 of us that are in this anthology of devotions, all about uh, a God answering us abundantly with more than Amen. we can ask or think in our prayers. So, Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. And you also recently came back from a trip to Mexico where you're at a conference. Mm -hmm. Share us about your work and travel. I did. Well, several years, years ago, um, we got involved with a group called Harvest Preparation International Ministries. They're out of Sarasota, Florida. And they're really just a small organization that believed it was a bunch of pastors that believed that the pastors in other countries, especially third world countries or other countries like Africa, India, Mexico, whatever, uh, they have a heart for their people. They have a heart, but there's just no money for them to to go to school, go to seminary, get the proper training. And so there's deficiencies in sometimes some of the things that they're teaching or preaching because they don't have all of that extra information that can come from mentors and training. And so this particular group does leadership conferences for men and women and also uh, have schools. It's called Nation to Nation Schools that have been worked through with some people through Elam and Elam Bible School in New York and um, Nations to Nations University in Texas have put together Bible prophecy, Bible professors, not prophecy, Bible professors from many walks of life teaching on the main foundations of of Christianity for these things. Amen. And there, and that's, that's a whole nother thing. But through them, I got involved. My husband and I, we went on some trips, some outreaches where we do dramas in the street and, you know, lead people to the Lord and things. And through that, I was asked in the beginning to go on a trip. And really the way that came about was I had felt I had a dream. I woke up from the dream. I knew I'd been in Mexico, although I've never been to Mexico, I just knew I'd been to Mexico in the dream. And I asked the Lord in that fuzzy place where you come out of that dream. And I said, Lord, where was this? And he said, Tapachula. And I never heard of Tapachula. I didn't know how to spell it. So I wrote it phonetically, according to Betty, Tapachula phonetically. And I started inquiring, found out that it was uh, in Mexico, in actually the state of Chiapas. And which is at the on the border of Guatemala. And so um, I just kind of filed that away again in my prayer journal. We were we went to a harvest prep conference that they had in Florida. And at that time, the, the president of that organization's wife, she announced at that conference she was going to be taking a, a ministry trip to Mexico in the fall. And that's all she really said. And I, I talked to my husband. I said, you know, I really feel pulled. I should go ask her if I can just come and carry carry luggage and pray, be behind the scenes and pray. He said, well, go for it. So I, I went up to her afterwards and asked her that. She said, oh, I'd love to have you go. I'm taking all this extra luggage and I really need the help to carry it. And yes, we can always use people to be praying. I said, great. And I said, where are you going? And she said, well, this new place, it's called Tapachula, uh, Chiapas, Mexico. And so when she said that, I thought, okay, another setup by God. <laughs> and um, 
Long story short on that, the night that we got in, the first night was about, we're in bed about 1130, phone rings, I'm already in bed, half asleep, phone rings, the lady, the head lady who I was rooming with answers the phone, one side of conversation, I knew something was not right, she hangs up, she looks at me, she says, now I know why God's been speaking to me over the last day or two that you're supposed to speak. She said that was our um, that was one of our main speakers. She was coming from another part of Mexico, and there's been a freak storm. It's washed out the bridges. She can't get to the airport, so she's not going to be able to make it. So you, I believe God wants you to be the 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 next, one of the speakers. And I'm laying there, and I'm not saying anything because I'm processing. And then she turns out the light gets in bed and says, oh, by the way, you're first up. (laughs) And in that moment, I went through a variety of emotions. I panicked. I was worried. I knew this was to be somehow connected to part of my my journey going forward. But I like to do a good job in whatever I do for God. So that would mean if I'm teaching or sharing, I have a vines, I have my concordances, I have several different Bibles, translations, I have my notebooks, my dictionary, and all I had with me was my Bible. That was it. Nothing. And I had nothing prepared for the next morning at nine o'clock in the morning. And so I reached over in the dark. And I knew there was a piece of paper, those little squares, you know, that we write by the phone. I grabbed it, grabbed the ink pen, found my Bible down at the foot of the bed on a, a little stand, got my Bible, went in quietly t- to the restroom, pulled the door shut, turned on the light. And the next three hours, I prepared a message. And that was my first. And then after that, I became pretty much regular in speaking as they did conferences. And then later was asked to head that up when the, the head lady retired. So that's kind of that. Dang. So the, the the one we went on, we hadn't been there in probably, well, since COVID. We had one planned to go, but uh, COVID presented, prevented that. So this was the first one back. And the people were really hungry. And so when they asked us to come, they said, we've got a huge agenda and we want you to do all of this. We want you to do a marriage conference, one day marriage conference. We want you to teach uh, such and such on the Bible for two days. We want you to meet with leadership on another day. We have three churches in three different outlying cities that they want you to come and speak to. And we want you to do a women's conference. Wow. And so we looked at each other and said, okay. And so my husband and I went and I took a, a second lady with me on the trip and we got that all done. And we saw remarkable things I had never, I have never seen in all the time I've gone, I've seen the power of God fall. I've seen people be touched by the Holy Spirit. I've never seen conviction fall in a, in a mass way. And I say that because the um, second night we were there, we were in a brand new church out 
in the jungle more wasn't it was probably a, a church of about a hundred people. And I spoke and I knew there was such a move of the spirit, I could tell it. And I we always do altar calls, we always do prayer ministry, and and we will pray for whoever as long as we need to. If we're there till midnight, we'll be there. We the team will pray for you. And so I started calling different things up and I saw these families just started coming in. But by families, I mean, in this meeting, they weren't just women. They were men and women and families with children. And they would started coming up in groups and it happened no matter who it was, whether it's me praying for them with my interpreter or my husband and his interpreter or the other lady and her interpreter they were coming up because they felt God convicting them that as a family, they needed to get together closer and they needed to give more of their, their focus to what God was calling them to as a family. And they were sharing these things. And I had a situation where they, they came up and the mom and dad said, we, we believe, you know, and same kind of thing I was telling. And then this little girl just, she was probably about, 12 and she just blurts out and I need to tell them that I've been sneaking out of the house and meeting and she just starts confessing all this stuff and I thought Lord Jesus they're gonna kill her right here now (laughs) and their eyes were real big but praise God the compassion on their heart they didn't they didn't come at her or ground her for the next 15 years whatever (laughs) they listened to her and then, you know, the little girl got done and she said, I'm so sorry. I know God doesn't want me to do that and I don't want to do it. And she just kept going on and on. And then she said, mommy and daddy, I love you. I don't want to be disobedient. And so they just started praying and we just all started praying. And that was the thing we saw over and over again. And so I'd leave at night when we were done, we'd go back to our hotel. And I said, what happened with you guys? And my husband said, well, I had this husband come up with his wife and he just outright confessed that he's an ogre and an uh, and he like is mean to his wife and he does all these things to get back at her. And he's really been abusive, but he loves the Lord. And he doesn't want to be like that. And he wanted prayer to change. <laughs> and it was like just so much of that. So that's, that's kind of how the whole Amen. time went. It was a lot of the spirit move. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. But this is also fascinating. As we get ready to close, how can someone obtain a copy of your book, The River, A Spiritually Transforming Journey? Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. It's in Barnes & Noble. It's through Ingram Sparks. It's wherever fine books are sold, as they would Amen. say on the commercial. Amen. Um, and what about the trilogy? When are you looking at releasing book two? And- the the hope of that will be in spring of next year, 2023. 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if someone wanted to reach out to you to ask a question, maybe invite you to speak at a conference, maybe do an interview such as this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Um, they can contact me at our, my website, which is transformedimage.com. Mm-hmm. And um, they can reach me there. They can reach me in, at my personal email, which is B, well, I think you have it, B-K-U-L-I-C-H at USA.net. Amen. Amen. I'll put links to all this down in the show notes below. Folks, this book is one that you will not put down when you begin to read it. I mean, it is just fabulous. Betty Rogers Kulik has crafted this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as you heard. 
and it will hold on to you until you finish it. Then you're going to go online looking, start looking for book two and wonder why it's not released yet. Right. Praise God. And at the time of this recording, folks, Christmas is just around the corner. You should definitely invest in purchasing this book for yourself. And if I can hint just a little bit, maybe get two or three copies for friends of yours that you know. You heard how they're using this in a Bible study, you know, a, a group meeting. So, you know, that might be a seed planted. Who knows? But just pray about it and drop down to the show notes. Click the links right there. Get in touch with Betty and order your one or more copies of her book. I know she'll appreciate it. And everything is right there in the show notes. Betty, thank you again for coming on the program today. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. I have so enjoyed this. And I I loved hearing about your own personal story and and how that all went. That was inspiration to me. As I told you, I was tearing up and crying. (laughs) Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For uh, Betty Rogers, Kulik, and myself, this past about reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.